listeners, and welcome to another episode of Extra Extra. It's all about whiskey. I'm your host, Jason Three Names. I'm joined, as always, with the Whiskey Whippet. Lovely to see you, even though our dear listeners don't get to join me in that pleasurable experience. Joshua Morrissey Han. It's lovely, lovely, lovely to be seen. Thank you for having me today. In Extra Extra, Joshua and I bring a new story to the attention of the other, often whiskey-focused, but not always. Bring it to the attention of the other. We read in the first half, we riff on it in the second half, we try to get out of here in a tight 30 to 35 minutes. The last episode, which was thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyable, ran a wee bit longer, but it was a... A fine conversation that was worth the extra time, I thought. I, I didn't, but, you know, that's fine. It's funny you say that because they were all your words. <laughs> Just a self-deprecating joke, that's all. So sometimes we, we mix it up a little bit. And there's actually been a couple of tidbits of news in the last six days mm-hmm. that, that's really caught our attention and the attention of of whiskey fans, whiskey lovers everywhere. So we're actually going to cover a couple of stories today and still keep it to a tight 30 to 35 minutes because that's how good we are. Wow. This is a challenge. Do you want me to roll up first with the the story from last week? Why don't you do that? Yeah, I I think that's a good place to start. Okay, so we're going to delve into the spirits business. We have a headline that just lays it all on the line. Pernod Ricard to acquire the Whiskey Exchange. Published September 21, 2021 by Alice Brooker. Well, there's a fair few words here, so let's delve into them and see what we have. I love the opening to this. Beef eater owner Pernod Ricard. Pausing for one second. You know you're reading the spirits business. And not the whiskey business. Yeah. When it starts with beef eater owner Pernod Ricard. Because you and I, with everything we know about whiskey, there's about five other things I would say Pernod Ricard own. And I wouldn't really go straight to beef eater. Yeah, right. Like you, you, maybe you start off with one of their world famous <laughs> whiskey blends that sells millions of cases per year. Uh, when we're talking about the purchase of the largest whiskey online retailer in the world. But nope, it's a gin. It's the owner of a yeah. gin production company that's purchased yeah. a whiskey online retailer. So I'll tell you what's also interesting is is on the story that opens with Beef Eater Owner. Right now, my screen is blowing up with Gibson's London Dry Gin ads. Like the page is just moving and changing focus and pulling back. It's... It's a lot. So Gibsons are really trying to get my attention when the article opens with Beefeater. Boy, are they ever. Wow. So here we go. Beefeater owner Pernod Ricard has agreed to buy the whiskey exchange to enhance its e-commerce growth and premium offerings. A little bit about the whiskey exchange. The whiskey exchange was founded in 1999 by Sikinder and Raj Singh and boasts a catalogue of approximately... 10,000 products. <laughs> That's quite impressive. It's huge. Pernod Ricard's acquisition of the retailer was carried out for an undisclosed sum. That's always the first question, isn't it? Like, oh, what happened? Yeah, how, yeah. And for how much? Exactly. exactly. <laughs> no, we're not disclosing that. Thank you. Move on. These aren't the droids you're looking for. 
<laughs> the Singh brothers commented, after more than 20 years building the Whiskey Exchange, we're delighted to be joining the Pernod Ricard family and working with them to take the business to the next level. The quote continues, The Whiskey Exchange and our customers have always felt like a family and we are looking forward to maintaining this ethos with a partner that shares our values. End quote. Since its establishment, the spirits retailer has expanded to on-trade supply, private sales and auctions of rare spirits. Sukinder recently sold a selection of old and rare miniatures at auction. And regular listeners know I really love Sukinder Singh. Miniature collections, give me the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> we then return to quotes uh, from Sukinder and Rajbir. Mm -hmm. Our mission remains the same, to offer the finest range of whiskies and spirits from the best producers around the world, educate and engage with consumers, and support the top on-trade establishments around the UK. Pernod, this is, that was end of quote. Mm -hmm. Pernod is aiming to meet consumer needs with the partnership, with a focus on e-commerce growth and demand for premium spirits. So that's the same line that was really way back up in the top of this article. Mm -hmm. It hasn't really added any dressing to that original statement. No. And so now we have Alexandre Ricard. I tried to pronounce that like he was a Formula One racing driver. How did I do? I thought that he was actually a Starfleet captain. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. Cups of tea for him. Yeah, yeah. Earl Grey. So hot. Tea, Earl Grey, hot. Tea, Earl Grey, hot. Earl Grey. Tea, Earl Grey, hot. Tea, Earl Grey, hot. Tea, Earl Grey, hot. Tea, Earl Grey, hot. Would you like some tea? No. So, so Alexandra Ricard is chairman and CEO. I actually lit a galois while I was pronouncing his name. Do you know if you smashed Pernod Ricard together, you would just get Picard? Sir, I know this may finish me as an acting ensign, but shut up, Wesley. <laughs> We're here for the hard-hitting insights, Joshua. Yep. Thank you. Thank yep. you. Yep, continue. Uh, back to the story at hand. Chairman and CEO Pernod <laughs> Ricard explained... E-commerce is a key channel in our long-term strategy. We are thrilled to work with industry pioneers such as Sukinder, Rajbir, and the whole team to bring the whiskey exchange to a new step of its development. Pernod Ricard, that's the end of quote. Mm -hmm. Pernod Ricard will also support collaborations between the whiskey exchange's expertise and its in-house platforms such as Drinks and Co. And Boda Boca. Hmm. Interesting. I have a question. For, I have a question for you when we're done reading. Okay. The deal does not include speciality brands or elixir distillers, which are also owned by the Singh brothers. Final sentence: Pernod Ricard recently gained a minority stake in Bamboo Rum producer Sovereign Brands. Mm -hmm. That's the end of the article. So rather than go to a break at this point, I want to quickly come back to my question, which is, have you heard of Boda Boca? I have not heard of Boda Boca. You know, the thing is with, with the whiskey exchange 
and speciality drinks and elixir and whiskey dot auction. There's so many bits and bobs to their business. And I think there's a lot of bobs and or bits that I simply don't know about. Yeah. Yeah. They've, they've got so many fingers and so many pies. It's mm-hmm. hard to keep track of what's in all of those pies. Yeah. What, what I do know, however, because, you know, this, this nose, bro- sorry, this nose, <laughs> this news broke around six days ago and being with the importer of some of these elixir brands, right? Port Gag, Single Malts of Scotland, Black Tot Rum. The question was, okay, what does this, <laughs> what does this mean for us? And by us, I mean, those are our distributors reaching out to us as the importers saying, you know, what, what do we do now? And the, and the answer to that is you don't do anything because business continues the way it always has because the, the elixir distillers part of it, which includes the dis- the new distillery they're building on Isla, which mm-hmm. includes brands like Elements of Isla and Black Tot and you know all the others that I mentioned before, they're mm-hmm. simple. They're simply not included. Question for you on that front, and I know it's a very scary moment when, as an importer, you see distillery X sells to big player Y. Mm-hmm. Because invariably, big player Y wants to take charge of importation and, and distribution. Sure. As an importer, contracts are in place. Does the sale of the distiller to big player Y render the contracts moot? And you'll basically get a, a rundown, a period of months to run down stock, and then you know the relationship is old, mm. over. Or do contracts have to be honoured before new contracts are then signed for the new importation and distribution that Big Player Y wants to put in place? That's an excellent question. I think I think it really gets down to that initial contract and how it's written. And are mm-hmm. there protections in place for that importer for X amount of time? You know, should something like that take place? And, and to be fair, not every brand coming into the U.S., whether it's a whiskey brand or a gin brand or, or what have you, is not necessarily tied to contracts, especially when you get to some of the smaller brands. So, you know, sometimes you're, you're just two companies trying to work together and, and you hope everything works out. And sometimes you just have contracts in place. So, you know, I can't... When it comes to contracts between impacts and other companies, I, that's that has always been none of my business. So I've never tried sure. to put my nose in that business. But sure. as someone who has helped to write contracts before for other companies, I can tell you it really gets down to that uh, to that origin contract and and how it's how it's written. Well, I think it. It's striking. One of the first things you and I exchanged over text when we saw the news was was you saying, you know, wearing my Impex hat, I now have to answer questions from distributors saying, how does this affect us? And the good news was, and this is, you know, where you started this segment, nothing changed. Mm-hmm. Nothing. <laughs> and clearly they were reaching out because everything could have changed. And what great position to be in where you got to say, yeah. nope, business as usual, we're still 
Portis gig, we're still Black Tot Rum, all the other things you mentioned. Yeah. You know, the, the one thing that I'll add, too, for our friends at the Whiskey Exchange, and, and I'm going to rewind the clock a little bit here. You know, when, when Westland was purchased by Remy, mm-hmm. everyone was concerned. Oh, my gosh, what's, what's going to happen? This independent distillery has sold to a major conglomerate. How is that going to affect the distillery? And the good news was... Remy saw what Westland was doing and said, no, we just want to be a part of this. We'll, 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 you know, write the checks and we'll help you grow and we'll all benefit from this from a, from a a monetary standpoint. And the word around the rumor mill is that Pernod Ricard, much like Remy, when they purchased Westland, Pernod Ricard are taking that same approach with the Whiskey Exchange, which is the online retailer, and also Speciality Drinks, which is the UK distribution arm, my understanding is there's a reason they purchase them. They don't want to meddle with with something that is easily the one of the UK's largest, most successful businesses. So that that's a bit of good news, I think, not just for the Whiskey Exchange and those that work there, but also from the standpoint of the consumer as well. Yeah, let let me ask you another question here, which is when this news first broke, and nothing has honestly changed for me since then, but when this news first broke, my first question was, so what is in this for Pernod Ricard? Mm. Why is a, a major global drinks producer getting into retail? And, and in seeing this quote, e-commerce is a key channel in our long-term strategy. That hasn't answered my question. Mm. It has let me know that, well, they're certainly looking at e-commerce. But what is Pernod Ricard going to do with e-commerce? They're now in charge of selling Glen Murray. They're now in charge of selling Kilholman. They're like... like <laughs> The Whiskey Exchange has 10,000 products, Mm -hmm. as we read at the top of this piece. I'm going to go out on a limb and say 99% of those products are not Pernod Ricard products. I would agree with that. I I do wonder if part of it is a savings in distribution within the UK. I also wonder if it is more reach within... Uh, European countries, because the Whiskey Exchange can now ship into European countries once again. And mm-hmm. think, think, of, think about the focus that they can put on their own brands, whether it's some of their distilleries, whether it's Beef Eater Gin, right? right? <laughs> whether it's some of their blends. Uh, they now have the ability to reach the tens of thousands of consumers through through the email chains. Now they see their purchasing habits. How mm-hmm. interesting is that to understand your consumer's mm-hmm. purchasing habits for you to help, to, or I'm sorry, to, to help you create new products that may better appeal to certain segments within the consumer base, depending on their purchasing habits, depending on the, the country that those people are in. I, I really see a way to get into the minds of the mm-hmm. consumer and into the wallets of the consumer based on all of that consumer data they have. And I don't know about you, but I visit the whiskey exchange at least twice a week, 
at least twice a week. Oh, if you'd say if you said twice a day, I still wouldn't have disagreed with you. Okay, twice a week, hell right? Yeah. You know, I, Gosh, I, I, my I, wife knows that I visit twice a week, and and I twice don't a day, and I, I don't necessarily purchase twice. I sure as heck don't purchase twice a week, but I'm always interested yeah. to see oh, what's yeah. going on and and what new brands there are, new releases, and you know, I think it's it's a for a drinker, it's a great destination. Yeah, it's interesting. I really like what you're saying about almost this Amazon mindset where you get to learn yep. about consumers yep. and that changes how you operate going forward. And clearly Amazon have been very successful with that. But actually on that distribution front, I'd reached out to a, a mutual friend of ours at a distillery in Scotland and said, what's in this for, for Pernod Ricard? Is this going to be mm. distribution? You know, in, in and this person wrote me back and said, I, I don't think it's distribution. Hmm. Um, he, he wasn't buying that side. He, they uh, weren't buying that side uh, of the argument. So, so, which is why I really like your comment here about seeing the buying practices of consumers. That really makes sense to me. That really speaks loudly. So. Yeah. Is there anything you wanted to bring up? I know we've got a couple of stories to get to, and we're around the halfway point here, but is, is there anything that struck you or anything you uncovered over the last few days? Not necessarily anything that I've covered over the last few days. The only thing that I'll add here, and it really is, has nothing to do with this article, except for the fact that anytime I see Rajbir's name, I'm reminded that when you and I were at Blair Castle in April 2019, he was being inducted as a Keeper of the Quake the same night that I was being inducted as a Keeper of the Quake. So I kind of like this six degrees of of, of <laughs> Kevin Bacon going on here. <laughs> With Raj Bear. <laughs> yeah, and he's, he is, you know, we've had Sikinder on the podcast before and he was nothing but a gentleman, nothing but a lovely guy. And, yeah, he was and, excellent. And, and Raj Beer is no different. Somehow about 17 feet taller than, mm-hmm. than, uh, than Sukinder. He's a really tall guy. But uh, yeah, just, just a lovely guy. Both sings. Really, really yeah. good guys. Dig them. Yeah. It, it happens in families. You know, I've got a 6'6 six, six brother and I'm only 6'2. So like Jess, uh, when the news first broke, the thing Jess had said was, that she was really curious how deals like this even come about, right? And I said, oh, I'm, I'm right there with you, right? <laughs> Did a PR lawyer call up, you know, Sukinder or Rajbir? Do they go to the whiskey exchange legal department? You know, is it straight to the accountants? Like, I'm just so curious They just went to that. the FAQ page. Right at, at the whiskey right. exchange. They just sent an email. Yeah, just sent an email. <laughs> just info at the whiskeyexchange.co.uk, and there you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's let's take a quick break here, and we'll come back with second quick hit on this episode of Extra Extra. This next bit of news actually comes from an email that I think a lot of our listeners may have received. If you're on the uh, Friends of Lefroig email list, then you will most certainly have received this message, quick message, from John Campbell, right? Distillery Wait. manager. Yeah. 
<laughs> which, which just when you're talking about the email there, I know that when Elijah shared this story with us, he sent us an Instagram link. And when I asked Jess if she'd seen it, she mentioned seeing it just break on Twitter. So they really covered the ground with this one. Email, Instagram, Twitter. I'm sure there are pigeons in the sky right now with the news attached to their leg. <laughs> I think you're right. The email came in at 10.02 a.m. today in my inbox. Eastern. Eastern, yeah, Eastern U.S. time. And the subject said, a message from our friends. That's interesting. A message to our friends. There we go. And so oh, this, that makes much yes, more sense. Yeah. <laughs> so the subject line says, a message to our friends from John Campbell. It says, dear friends, I'm writing today because I wanted you to be the first to know that after much thought, I've decided that the time has come for me to step down as Lafroig's distillery manager. For a long time, I've been traveling between Isla and the mainland to be with my family, especially after the last two years we've all experienced. I've decided to make a permanent move to be closer to them and take up a new challenge at an independent distillery company. So I will be relocating from Isla in mid-November. As you can imagine, this was not an easy decision for me. I've been at Lafroig for more than a quarter century. Let me repeat that again. I have been at Lafroig for more than a quarter century. And I am proud to have been the longest serving distillery manager in its history. Following in the footsteps of legends like Ian Hunter and Bessie Williamson has been the privilege of my life. More than anything, I would like to thank the friends of Lafroig for all your support throughout my 27 years at Lafroig and my nearly 16 years as a distillery manager. It's support that comes in all sorts of forms, from helping me grow the visitor center experience at the distillery, supporting the creation of core whiskeys in our range, sharing your ideas on what would make a good, sorry, what would make good car chase bottlings, always being honest about how you would like Lafroig to be. Over the years, we've created a Lafroig tartan, celebrated together at our <laughs> bicentennial events all around the world, sung with the Lafroig choir, met on Isla at Fage, and throughout the year, and best of all, we've shared many drams of Lafroig together. Lafroig is an amazing whiskey and a brand that has and will continue to be a part of my life, just as Isla will. I will always remain a friend of Lafroig myself and will continue to come back and visit my plot and collect some rent. Now we get to the, the final paragraph here. I am also sure that thanks to your passion and loyalty, Lafroig will remain the most renowned and beloved peated single malt on the planet and will continue to grow from strength to strength. Over the next two months, I'll be working closely with our expert distillery team to hand the reins over to a new distillery manager that will be announced in due course. I know you will welcome them with open arms as you welcomed me. It's an honor to call myself a friend, and I wish all of you the very best. Slanja, John Campbell, distillery manager. That's major news. <laughs> that news landed the same way that the sale of the whiskey exchange landed last week. Like out of the like, blue, right? Seemingly out of the blue. 
like no whispers, no rumors. Like there are times when when yeah. you or I, you know, share some whispers with the other mm-hmm. and there's a sense that something's coming down the line. Nothing. Absolutely nothing on either front. Really quite remarkable in this day and age to have such well kept I don't want to say secrets, but yeah. you know, you know, well-guarded news, I'll say. But think about, you know, 25 years ago, now, now, or actually 27 years ago. 27, now, yeah. Now, now, granted, he's been distillery manager since 2005. So, but still, 2005, that's 16 years of watching him slowly change around the, the, the core of the brand. I think he was part of the team that helped reintroduce the Lafroy 10-year-old cast strength, which is... You know, you and I have said on this podcast and through tastings and just in gatherings, that's always a whiskey you want on your shelf because it's a masterful, masterfully designed Laphroaig. What what else has he introduced? Was he part of the quarter cask introduction? Do you know? I, I was just yeah. looking at that on my shelf, and I'm sure that he must have been. He yeah. must have been part of the quarter cask design. Um, also thinking of the Karchus bottlings. That's that's under John Campbell as well, yeah. putting those together for the friends of Lafroig, and then there was the the lore coming in, mm. and then going out, and you know, interesting. You and yeah. I were just talking about the eighteen we're the other week. About the eighteen, yeah, that that one was you know sadly gone a while ago. You could hear Dottie meowing in the background. Can't I can you? absolutely <laughs> hear Dottie meowing in the background. Don't know if your mic will be picking it up quite the same way, but you're. Your uh, AirPods are definitely <laughs> picking it up. And, you know, on a, on a personal level, this was a man who, for, for us at Single Cask Nation, uh, he's, been, he's been a big supporter of us as an independent bottler, not necessarily selling directly to us. Yeah. H- however, he was keen to be a part of the Great Isla Swim, which was really important to, to us as a company. And to RNLI, Royal National Lifeboat Institute, right? That, and he knew we were going to be giving back to Isla. Um, you know, this is someone I think who who sees important opportunities, and he he wanted to make sure Lafroig was on people's tongues, both from a, a taste standpoint, but from yeah. a yeah. you know saying Lafroig, you know, I think he helped champion that in in a multitude of ways, and it's nice to have been a small part of his story. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I'm just thinking of the the Isla picture right now, where you've got Georgie Crawford moving first of all from Lagavulin off to the Port Ellen project, mm-hmm. and then leaving the Port Ellen project. You've got Mickey Heads, you know, retiring and having a successor at Ardbeg. Um, and now you've got John Campbell. Someone else is going to be at the helm at Lafroig. Like that's, that's big, big news. But there's your three though, right? Like everything happens in threes. Let, let's hope, <laughs> let's hope that that's, that's, you know, I, I mean, I say, let's hope that that's the final change, but but I also think change could be really good. And 
and can help breathe new excitement into into a brand, into a distillery. Like I think your point is a good one with Georgie leaving Lagavulin, then joining Port Ellen, and now leaving Port Ellen, and it's been announced she's going to be the distillery manager for Elixir Distillers Distillery, right? So the circle of life and and you know so <laughs> yeah. so change isn't always change isn't necessarily good or bad it can be both it can be one or the other but it's 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 always new and exciting i think according to heraclitus it was the very nature of existence is change so I had a bad case of Heraclitus many, many years ago. Thankfully, I always I trust you to keep it highbrow. Fantastic. <laughs> but, but, but there was also a time a few years ago, and I can't quite remember the year, but it was quite recently, where for the first time, I want to say, for the first time in a long time, hmm. every one of Isla's distillery managers was an Illich, uh, an Isla person born and raised. We hadn't seen that in a long, long time. And that was something we actually discussed at Laphroaig with John Campbell. I recall that. And and he was incredibly proud that the island had Illix at the helm of each distillery. So, 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 you know, that, that was really, you know, my first thought was, holy shit, John Campbell's leaving Laphroaig. Very quickly after, my second thought was, wow, an, an Illich is moving to the mainland. Hmm. Right, John Campbell is going to move to the mainland and live there with the family that he mentions early in that announcement. Yeah, like that. What a what a period of transition that is. Not only are you moving away from Beam Centauri, right? Beam Beam Global, like yeah. what's his latest name, right? But you're also moving away from the island that has been your home for all of these years and decades. That's serious business, man. And I don't know if John had an apprentice behind him. I don't I don't think that he did. So it'll be interesting with this new distillery manager coming on, whether she or he will act as a steward uh, solely and, and just carry on what John was doing or whether she or he will want to change it up a little bit and is this going to to ring in a new era of Laphroaig and you know we think of all of these distilleries that have very specific styles from one decade to the next it'll be interesting to see if things start to change around a little bit with Laphroaig well you think of the transition from Ian Henderson to John Campbell things definitely changed at Laphroaig things definitely changed with the spirit now What's the distillery manager in charge of and what's coming down from corporate on high mm-hmm. is, you know, it's different from distillery to distillery. It, but yeah. the thing that I wanted to, to quickly mention is it takes me back to the conversation we had with Mickey Heads in Chicago. Yeah. When, when Mickey had started out in the industry and was, you know, rolling casks and warehouse and working his way through the ranks... And we'd said to him, did you ever think there would come a day when distillery managers traveled the world being treated like rock stars? <laughs> and he said, no, never, never did the thought cross my mind. And it made me think then 
of sitting in John Campbell's office with him the day we delivered the Great Isla Swim to him, his mm -hmm. bottle to him. And they were working on a new, you know, software package on the laptop, a, a people management, a people scheduling package yeah. on his laptop. And he yeah. was he was like, I'm I'm going from meeting to meeting on how to use this new software. And when John Campbell travels the world and comes to your local bar and you get to go visit with him and maybe he signs a bottle and maybe he talks about designing the new car chess, he also knows that he's in charge of people being on shift at the right time mm -hmm. to cover the stills mm -hmm. or to be in the warehouses, to be filling up casks, right? There's very much a management role there mm. that is part and parcel of running that distillery that that always makes me think of the meme you know you know what my parents think I do in the whiskey industry <laughs> what my friends think I do in the whiskey industry what I think I do in the whiskey industry and then what I really do in the whiskey industry is fill out spreadsheets yeah right? yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <sighs> I, I, I want to just say one last thing, because I know there's going to be a certain segment of people that are going to say, well, that's it. Lafroy, are going to go down the tubes. Everything's going to go downhill. Uh, there, there's always going to be that segment of yeah. people. Yeah. And, and if the transition from Ian Henderson to John Campbell is any indication, things changed a bit. However, Lafroy remained wonderful. If you think about the transition at Balcones Distillery, when Chip, when Chip Tate left that distillery, there were so many people that said, oh, you know, I'm not going to drink any Balcones that Chip Tate didn't distill. Meanwhile, what they don't know but really should know, there was a few other distillers that was doing exactly what Chip Tate was doing. And the whiskey was good and remains good, whether or not Chip was still at the helm. So Lefroig will remain Lefroig, regardless of who you have. However, I think it will be very exciting to see what Lefroig can become, or maybe it just stays the same and they keep on doing what John had them doing. And I think that's often the take of the, the corporations that own the distilleries. Lefroig is in its 206th year, mm -hmm. right? John Campbell being with them for a, just over a quarter of a century is a hell of an achievement for a human being. Yeah. To be honest, that's an eighth of, if, if I've done my very quick math right, it's an eighth of Lefroig's history, right? That, that, that in itself is pretty significant. Yes. But I think the point is Lefroig will continue. Lefroig yeah. will still be there. And, and when John's gone and we have gone and, and the rest of the consumers have gone, Lafroig will probably still be standing there. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I'm with you. It, it's always, what's next? You yeah, know, what's, what's next? What's it going to look like? But we obviously wish John the absolute best. We still have never had him on One Nation Under Whiskey. That is true. Wow, that is very true. Yeah. Oh, maybe with a new project and being on the mainland, maybe maybe we'll get him on One Nation Under Whiskey before too much longer. Well, we know how to get in touch with them. So, <laughs> Speaking of getting in touch, if any dear listeners would like to reach out to us, please drop us an email at questions at onenationunderwhiskey.com. As always, there's no E in whiskey. 
Joshua, these have been two really fascinating stories to to chat about for a little, little while. And they're certainly two stories we've been chatting about since the news broke on each of them. So happy to share some of that with with our dear listeners out and about in the world. Yeah, indeed, indeed. So we're out of here, my friend. Thanks as always for having me, Jason. It's, it's always a pleasure. Until the next time, Joshua. Until the next time, dear listeners. Cheers. Two chins.